Welcome. Good to have each and every one of you here this afternoon or evening, whichever time you're watching. Youth, God loves you. And many times it's been said that you are the future of the church. Rather, you are the church now. God has called each and every one of you by name. Welcome to our virtual youth camp meeting. Our theme, Be Still. I pray that this message will touch your heart as you go through your days and your life secure on Jesus Christ. Let's have prayer. Precious Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this day that you've given to us. I want to thank you for the young people, Lord, in our church, many of which are trying to understand everything that is going on in this crazy world in which we're living. The forces of anger, of racism, of uncertainty, inequality, of loneliness. There's so many things going on right now, Lord, that make our hearts heavy. And so right now, Lord Jesus, we want to take this moment to ask that you would, first of all, forgive and cleanse us of all sin. And that, Lord Jesus, that I would decrease and that you would increase right now. That as our young people are listening, that they will see you as their true north, as the one who will never leave them nor forsake them, that will get them through the storms of their life. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. For over a thousand years, it was called the terror of the sea. And how could it not? Thousands and thousands of lives had been claimed by its merciless acts. Its razor-sharp serrated rocks had only one purpose, and that was to take life. Nothing survived on the rock, which posed a fearsome obstacle to all shipping vessels traveling along the east coast of Scotland, approximately 18 kilometers off the coast. The issue was simple. Bell Rock, as it was known, was an island and yet was not. Let me explain. You see, depending on the season of the year, the sandstone reef was covered by a few feet of water for approximately 20 to 21 hours each day. And when it was stormy, you wouldn't even see it. In other words, it was practically always covered up. In one attempt to put up some Warning to wayfaring sailors, local monks from Arbroath, Scotland, tried to raise a warning bell on its cracky face. But the following winter, with the storms of the North Sea, it was pushed down. Nothing could be done. Nothing could be erected to warn the vessels of the lurking danger just off the coast. As such... Many had a lucrative life by living off the spoils from wrecked ships from Bell Rock. You know, although considered to be impossible to build a permanent lighthouse that would warn the ships to keep away from this rock, one man took this both as a challenge and an obsession. His name was Robert Stevenson. He was born in, born in Glasgow, Scotland in, on June 8, 1772. 
And although Robert was raised in poverty, as his father died when he was a young man, he was brought up with strong religious roots. Robert Stevenson was largely self-taught, and moral improvement and technological progress to him went hand in hand. By the age of 30, Stevenson had done very well for himself. He had become an engineer for the Northern Lighthouse Board in 1797. He was inspecting the few warning lights, not more than coal brazers that they would try to keep lit through the night. And he would go up and down the Scottish coastline. And as he would look at these primitive lights that they were hoping the sailors would see, he's like, how in the world would they ever see this? He began thinking, and he would always come back to Bell Rock. And he said, I will want one day to put a lighthouse on that feared rock. Well, with that, he started running after it. He started coming to people who would be able to help him to get to Bell Rock, to be able to survey that little island that was only an island for about two hours a day. Finally, he found someone that would be able to take him there. And he began to look at it and just see what, what could be done. And that was in 1800. Well, he devised a substantial plan. It was a tower. In fact, it was being copied in some respects to the Stevenson, the Eddystone Lighthouse. It took a year to find anyone brave enough to risk taking him to Bell Rock. But when he finally surveyed the reef in the summer of 1800, he devised a plan for a substantial stone tower. Stevenson drew the inspiration for his lighthouse design from the Eddystone Lighthouse that had been built off the coast of Cornwall 50 years before in 1698 by John Smeaton. That lighthouse had truly proved to be a milestone. It was shaped with the now classic wide base, tapering to a narrow tower. Smeaton actually got the idea when he did that by looking at an oak tree in the middle of a storm and how it was able to sway. And he said, wow, it goes out and it gets its strength from its roots. Stevenson, however, elaborated on this design. His lighthouse would have to be higher much higher. In fact, it would need to be 30 meters, 100 feet, if it was to survive the cruel waves of the North Sea. When he finally came with a proposal to the Northern Lighthouse Board, they rejected it outright. In their eyes, Stevenson was attempting the impossible. Come on, man, what are you thinking? Not only was he attempting the impossible, he was asking for the impossible. He was asking for over 42,000 pound shillings, an equivalent today in Canadian to 73,000 Canadian, but 200 years ago. Stevenson was frustrated, knowing that with no light on Bell Rock, it was just a matter of time till, well, 1804 arrived few short years after, and Bell Rock claimed another victim. This time, it was not just a small ship. 
It was the huge 7064-gun HMS York that was ripped apart on the rock with all 491 men killed. Finally, the Northern Lighthouse Board revisited Stevenson's plan. They could delay no longer. Immediately, they decided to find Britain's most eminent engineer, John Rennie, invited to give advice to Stevenson. Not much is said, but I'm sure if you were the main engineer and that you had the plan and all of a sudden the board decides to bring someone else in, well, there was probably a little bit of frustration. But Stevenson was smart. And he thought, let me work with Remy. Let me write him countless letters so that at least we're working together. So it was. Stevenson, as we looked at before, copied the Eddystone design. But Rennie, the other engineer, argued that this was not enough and insisted on a more gradual 40-degree slope. Stevenson accepted Rennie's proposal. Possibly without that proposal, the lighthouse would not have lasted. Stevenson immediately went out to recruit men organizing ships and supplies, and sourcing Aberdeen granite for the tower's outer casing. Finally, on August 17, 1807, Stevenson and around 35 skilled craftsmen set sail for Bell Rock. Finally, the terror of the seas would be dealt with. The men, though, could only work during the calm summer months. And even then, their work was limited to, as you know, only an hour and a half to two hours each low tide. In between, they waited and waited, living on a ship moored approximately two kilometers away. That's how scared they were of the island. They wanted to be far from this thing. So two kilometers away, they were waiting. And there... Most of them, except for Stevenson, got seasick. It was very laborious work. It was very slow work. They used simple pickaxes, which needed constant resharpening by the smithy, the blacksmith, who had to actually many times stay in water knee-deep. And I'll say that was freezing cold water. You see, Stevenson could not afford to use gunpowder for fear of damaging the rock itself. In time, the men built a temporary barracks on stilts above the rock. Stevenson, as I mentioned before, bombarded Rennie, the other engineer, with questions on every aspect of the construction, trying to get, make sure that he knew that he was being part of a team. One of the things we know that was adjusted, of course, was the horizontal dovetailing on the 225,000 one-ton stone blocks. Yes, 25,000 interlocking blocks were put together first at the quarry and then shipped over to Bell Rock. Progress the first summer was slow, they only did the foundation. When they came the second summer, they began to lay the granite pieces that each weighed one ton. 
making that beautiful jigsaw. Each stone that was carried to the ships was carried by one horse, strong enough to carry one ton. Her name was Bassie. After the second summer, Stevenson had only completed three courses of stonework. The tower stood just six feet tall with another 94 feet to go. During the years of 1807 to 1811, Stevenson tells in his book the full details. The crane system that had to be erected to be able to lift the heavy one-ton granite blocks. The barrack that was built so that the men could stay on Bell Rock rather than having to go to the ship that was two kilometers away. Sadly, during the construction, two men lost their lives. But finally, after four long years of working on that rock, the terror of the seas, where at times storms raged to the point that the men who were in the barracks thought they would die with the pounding waves upon their stilts barrack. On February 1st, finally, in 1811, with great excitement, the 24-candle lantern was lit for the first time. What excitement for Stevenson and for the men that had built that lighthouse. There was no question that he had built it. Although Rennie was not there, he came a couple times to visit. Stevenson had endured the daily rigors, the back-breaking hardships, the violent storms for those four years. Over 200 years after it was built, and the Bell Rock Lighthouse still stands, proudly flashing its warning light 18 kilometers out at sea off the coast of Scotland. A remarkable sight, a white stone tower over 100 feet high rising seemingly without support out of the North Sea. Wow. An incredible feat of engineering. Not one stone has needed repair over these 200 years and a bit. Can you believe it? Well, to say there wasn't one repair done on this lighthouse would be a lie. There was one repair done because there was some helicopters doing some uh, survival techniques. Uh, and uh, they came close to the lighthouse and somehow one of the helicopters lost control and with the back rotor banged in to the top of the lighthouse, which did need to get repaired, the area where the light would come on. Powerful storms still hit the lighthouse at times practically covering the entire lighthouse with waves. But yet it stands the test of time as it is founded and grounded on the rock, itself also made by rock. Many spiritual lessons we can take from this story. The most obvious, of course, at first glance, would be this. Read it with me in Scripture. You are the light of the world. 
A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Then it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. We must be faithful lights to the world around us, young peoples. Young people, a world that is hungering for a Savior that brings hope, peace, and joy in the middle of the chaos that we are living in. We must be faithful. We must dig in our lives into our sure foundation, Jesus Christ, the rock of ages. We must build on him that people will see him through us as we shine forth the love of Jesus. But another lesson I want us to take home is this. But before I say that lesson, I need us to go back to Psalms 46, 10, and 11, where we read, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. And then it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. That's at the end of Psalms 46. Do you remember how Psalms 46 starts? It starts by God saying this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. How does it start? God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. At the end of Psalms 46, it says, be still and know that I am God. But it starts with God saying that he is refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. It starts with the reality of war raging, of storms blowing. And so here we have this, where it says, be still. It's kind of like, be still. After you know all the storms have come, are coming, be still and know that I am God. So let me read that again. God is our refuge and strength. Read it with me, please. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar. Think about Bell Rock, man, how the waters roared. Though its waters roars and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, God is saying, I am your refuge and strength. God is saying, yes, I know the storms are here. I know the storms will come. The storms of uncertainty and doubt. And he, Jesus says, be still and know that I am God. In the storm of when loneliness sets in, where it's too quiet for our comfort, he says, be still and come to me, for I will comfort you. In the storm of failure, and we all experience those storms, we know what it feels like, young people, to go through failure, to feel like no one really cares. Like, where am I going? What's my purpose? God, what do you want from me? The emotional storms, the storm of sickness, 
talk about a storm we understand all too well. The whole reason I'm doing this recording right now is because of, you got it, you remember, COVID-19. How are we ever going to forget that? This one's going into textbooks. Huh. Being stuck inside. Uncertain about our futures. Uncertain about our health and the health of our loved ones. And maybe some of you have lost loved ones to COVID-19. And my heart goes out to you right now and your loved ones. No matter what you're going through during this time of sickness, God is saying, be still through COVID and sickness. Build on me the solid rock and you will weather the storm. The storm of sickness. And then there's the storm of anger. The storm of fury that's been hitting us recently. That has shown its ugly face, reminding us that we are too human, too full of sin and racism. The racism that runs through our bloods more than we care to talk about. Why can't people just treat each other properly? Young people, God is calling a group of young people now to stand up, to make a difference. The way you guys think is different than when I think, the way I think. You, you care about social issues. You care and go to the street to make a point. Keep on, keep on. In fact, in James 2, 8 and 9, we read this. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, what is it James saying? If you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. Young people, I apologize as one of the leaders of this church for where maybe times you have been showed racism. Maybe you aren't from African descent. Maybe you are from a different culture. But you know what racism is too. And it stings. How can we be partial when the word of God teaches us to not be? Where Jesus said before he left, by this will all men know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus is saying, be still. Be still. But wait, he isn't saying be still and do nothing. He is saying be still in him. Make sure you're connected to me, he's saying. Make sure you're connected with me because I am the source of life. Make sure you're connected to him. Jesus is asking us to shine out, to cry against injustice. When you see racism, don't just watch it happen. Speak against it. When you see someone going through a hard time, do something. Help the person. Don't just simply say, I'll pray for you and don't even do that. God is not calling young people to live mediocre lives. He's calling you young people to get up. To do something. To stand up for what you believe. To not live mediocre lives. He's encouraging you to encourage those who need to be encouraged. Stop living your life on an abandoned island called selfishness and me-centeredness. 
God is calling young people now to make a difference. Don't accept mediocrity. Don't aim at nothing. Actually, I once came across this saying, those who aim at nothing, hit it with amazing accuracy. What are you aiming at, young people? Do you know why you are here and why you exist? I know that God created you. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. And no matter what storm you are going through right now, he is saying, I am your present refuge and your strength. He's saying, I am and I will get you through. He's asking us to be still and to ground our lives in him, the author and finisher of our life. You know, the world is calling us to drink from its rock. But drinking from the world's rock of pleasures is like drinking salt water. The more you drink, the saltier you come. Jesus is calling you and I. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yeah, he's saying that even to you young people. You guys need rest too. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find, catch the word, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We all go through storms in life, and we all will from time to time hit the razor-sharp rocks that will crush us. But the Bible is pointing you today to Jesus Christ. He is not like the terror of the sea, bell rock, but he is humble, meek, and lowly. And he is your Savior, and he loves you. He is calling you to be still in him. He is calling you to build on him. And as we build on him, we will illuminate his love. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We are saved through Jesus Christ. The storms will come. In Psalms 46, when it says, I am your refuge, I am your strength. Be still, reach out, and accept his invitation today because he loves you. And shine forth his love to the world boldly. Let's pray. Precious Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. I want to just lift up our young people, Lord. You have called them for such a time as this. And I ask in your holy name that you would give them boldness. And that you would show them that you are there for them. That they can ground their lives on you, the true rock. And Lord Jesus, that when the storms come, that they will remember that you are very present. And that you are a refuge. And that you are calling them, even through the storm, to be still. And what that means, God, is to stop looking at the world for comfort, but to look to you, the rock of ages, for their source of strength. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. And I hope to see you guys next year for camp meeting.